Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinas, Makalua, the main team, Mega Bears fan. Hello, Internet, and welcome to a once again live edition of Polycast, this time being episode number 361. I am one of your regular hosts, Mega Bears fan, along with returning, finally, uh, Canis Albinus. Hi. And of course, Makalu. Uh, who will probably be playing a lot of six guys soon. <laughs> and the me and team. Dogpiling on the news. And once again, gracing us with his august presence, Dan Q. Getting ready to pass go. Huh? Ooh, you get to collect $200? Exactly. Although, really, with inflation, I'm not sure that's as good as it used to be, but <laughs> well, I'll take it. You can ask, is it American, Canadian, Australian? Because you might want to choose wisely. You know what? Why, why choose? I'll just take 200 of each denomination. Thank you. Thank you for the idea, oh. Mackie. I appreciate it. I will spend it wisely. No, I don't think that's how it works, but okay. Well, if you buy the American edition and the Canadian edition, I'm sure there's an Australia, there's a Monopoly edition of everything, right? So why, we're kind of covered. This is why family board game night doesn't happen very often at the Dan Q household. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you think, Jason. Does Miley play with board games? Uh, our dog has a very diff- different definition of a board game. Usually it's a game she's no longer interested in, hence a board game. Huh. Oh, I was going to say, a different edition of play, as in chew on. Well, she would never get that opportunity. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Famous last words. Um, well. Of course, that's the one thing I didn't cop. <laughs> okay, I was like, I was waiting for my cue. <laughs> uh, put the news thing da, 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 here, because I don't, where is that document going? <laughs> <laughs> Hooray for being live again. Yeah. we have. This is just the thing. We haven't had news in so long that I forgot to copy it over to my handy local file. <laughs> to have news is new? <laughs> yeah, to oh. have news is new. Pick <laughs> it up, right. Dan. What? Over a year now. Yeah, oh, the last surprise? patch uh, was September. Yep, yep. The last new anything officially for Civilization Six was in September of 2019. Let's fast forward. Uh, and Phil mentioned famous, you know, last words. Hopefully, these are famous words, and they're not the last. Announcing Civilization Six new Frontier Pass downloadable content collection. Four years to the day of Civilization Six being publicly announced as to exist, we get an update that there are to be not one, not two, three, four, five, but in fact six, count on the internet with me people, six uh, 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 downloadable content packs for the game between now and next year, plus six additional free updates that will be quote-unquote in-between DLC releases. So one month you pay, one month is free, one month you pay. This sounds like another potential type of addiction, but this kind you shouldn't have to get therapy for. Uh, we know a little bit, a little bit about what we're going to be receiving in five days as of this recording. That's right. 
They make the announcement on May 11th, and oh, by the way, 10 days from now, here's your first DLC. It will be the Maya and Grand Columbia pack. Two leaders, two civilizations, apocalypse game mode, new city-states, resources, and more. But first, let's have a look at the rest of the outline. In July, we're going to get the Ethiopia pack, which is going to give us one civilization. One guess what that civilization is going to be. <coughs> one <Nubia>. leader. <laughs> Again? Oh, an alternate leader. Oh, okay. An yeah, alternate uh, leader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one leader, secret societies game mode, new district and infrastructure. And then, understandably, uh, they're not giving away everything at this point, but in September, November, January, and then March, you've got the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth packs, um, respectively. All include one or two civilizations or leaders, a new game mode, and quote-unquote more new content. And if you're someone like me that is wondering, does new content include maps? Well, as part of the free updates for all players, we see scenarios, balance changes, and yes, quote-unquote, new maps. Now, some of this DLC has already been disclosed as requiring one or the other expansion pack for the game, and so you're getting kind of the, the mix and match there. And in addition to talking about the content, because uh, we do know again a little bit about the Maya, not so much uh, Grand Columbia just yet, because as of this recording, there has been a first look that was published on the 14th of May to have a look at this new civilization, and Mackie will no doubt fill us in on why she's looking forward to playing the Maya. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also looking forward to Mackie trying to pronounce the titles and abilities for us all. Oh, boy. <laughs> she kind of voluntold herself for that. Well done, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but there's also leading questions in the community about, so what about this model of paying for downloadable content, where it, it's generally, mm, I like this, I don't like this, and of course the, well, I may or may not like it, it really depends. And there's someone saying, generally the sides are, look, I'm in favor of this because you have an idea of what's coming. You know that if you buy something this month, there's going to be something free for the next month. You can decide to get the pass, pay that up front and get all of this. Or, presumably anyway, you're going to be able to buy it piecemeal. You can wait till stuff comes out to decide whether you want something or not. You well, can... I guess the really important question is, is there pricing information yet? Uh, I have not come across pricing information yet, other than to say that the price for the free content, I believe, will be zero. I, I think that's a, probably a fair assessment at this point, unless the definition of free in the context of money has changed in the last little while. <laughs> but really, when you start looking at what they're suggesting, well, I was to say what they're suggesting, what they're telling us is going to be included in general form, it just looks like here is your expansion pack over a period of 12 months, as opposed to all up front. Even though, clearly, because they have this outline, it's not like, well, now that we finished the first DLC, we're going to start working on the second DLC. And, you know, that there's enough here for them to say this is what's going to be included. So, clearly, there's a plan. It's like a deconstructed expansion pack. And some people are liking that because, okay, at least we're getting more information than we did when Civilization VI came out. And it was, hey, you want to pay for, what was that, five or six pieces of DLC? And you had absolutely no idea of anything that was going to be included. And some people jumped in and they wish they had not. Other people were happy that they waited. I feel like that there, personally, I feel like there's enough information here for you to decide, am I interested in buying it up front right now? 
Uh, we also don't know how long the season pass is going to exist in the sense of, you know, after the first DLC is out, can you still buy that? I would assume so. It's just like a subscription for a year, right? And other people are saying, uh, I don't understand why a big publisher like 2K, which owns developer for Axis Games, uh, is asking us to crowdfund their effort. Which, <laughs> it's like, mm, I'm pretty sure the people... Yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, the crowdfunding, you're asking someone to pay you so you can make something, but I'm pretty sure this content already exists and the company is just looking to recoup their investment. And, and of course, make money on top of that as well, obviously. Publishers tend to like steady, constant revenue streams as opposed to spike, so... And in this way, if someone is also having an issue with a particular, you know, DLC pack or even an update, you know, you you can only do so much testing behind the scenes and you release it to a larger audience and it's, oh, geez, something broke. Well, we don't have to worry about an entire expansions pack worth of content. Let's just go back and, and see if we can figure out what it was that we just introduced and figure things out and, you know, iron out the wrinkles and then go on to the next one. Hopefully that's what the idea is. And I think it's also well, other- come up. The other side of that coin, though, is that if you have a bunch of really small, you know, DLCs, then you run into issues with, uh, you know, different combinations of mixing and matching where, uh, and I, I think Paradox has had this issue with, uh, you know, some of its games where you have some of the DLC, but not others. And then that causes, you know, unique problems that then become even more of a pain in the butt to troubleshoot and fix. I think Paradox that's fair. Paradox issues. <laughs> yeah. We all have our own issues, but I get, I get the point. I think I don't expect that to happen with this one because it looks like it's mostly just civilizations and like different game modes. The different game modes are going to be self-contained and aren't going to interact, I assume, with the other game modes that are in the other packs. So I don't see that as being much of a problem because new civs are, you know, like you can insert them and remove them from the game. That's what modders do. And you're not going to break the whole game by inserting a civ. So as long as they're not like changing game rules or like adding like different sets of content like if they're adding buildings and units and stuff like that into the base game in certain expansion or in certain dlc packs and not others then i think you might run into some issues where you get unique problems where somebody has one installed but not the other and things like that but uh as long as the actual game rules and mechanics aren't changing i do not foresee that being a strong possibility so hopefully that that won't happen and we'll be safe from that and any kind of changes to that may, in fact, come as part of the free updates for all players. Yes, perhaps. Although certainly, I think it is is fair to say, like when it comes to two K and Fraxis, clearly there, you know, this is being developed in tandem. All these pieces are being developed. Obviously, some at different stages of completion than others, because well, this is supposed to be released first, and this is supposed to be released second, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then you do. It's fair to question. Okay, have they tried? You know, when you have the first DLC and the fourth, and what about just the second and the fourth installed? And right. hopefully, kind of as you were saying, Jason, that looking at what they're including, it's the things that are being added is on top of what the game already has. So if you have the DLC, well, you know, it adds new leaders. And if you don't have it, well, then you don't. As opposed to, oh gosh, we just, you know, in this DLC, this is changing this mechanic considerably. And now it's gone and, and messed something up. And if it's, if it's not fixed from the first DLC, then is it just going to be compounded on the second DLC? So I think the fact that we have this outline right now as a consumer, that we can see this. I think they've the 2K and Firaxis have learned from the experience of Civilization VI initial release. 
because I knew do see some people saying, "Hey, Two K and Fraxis have a, have a good reputation of you know not just releasing and forgetting about it." But I also think the community is understandably, yeah, we didn't have a lot of information up front. They got burned. You know, we felt that we got burned. And of course, there's still some lingering criticism of thanks for checking in, guys. Um, we haven't heard from you. And now there's all the stuff that you want us to try to absorb. But that's just kind of the thing, right? If you really feel like, I- I'm not certain how I feel about this. Is this enough to get me to invest more time into the game? Then you can wait. It's not like you you must buy now, and if you don't, then you're out of luck. It was enough for me. And I think that's also an, an, a, a point as well there, Candice, because some people have said, well, I don't know if this is going to be enough to get you know new players into the game. And I'm thinking, really, the information that's being released right now, I don't think this is necessarily going to be enough for someone to say, I've never played Civilization VI. I wonder if this new Frontier Pass is going to convince me to get it. I really feel like this is for the so you've already bought at least Civilization VI, maybe one of the other expansions, some of the DLC. Here's what else we have for you. And then depending upon how well this goes, particularly the first one, then the people that are already playing the game, you get that word of mouth. That word of mouth is either going to be positive or it's going to be negative. So which would then, of course, impact future sales, future reception of the game, future potential for gosh knows what may come after this for the game. And as for the player, I think it's also a win because, well, we don't have to wait until, you know, next March for the expansion pack while we sit here and hope for maybe some free updates in the beginning. We have something to look forward to every other month. It's just enough to help keep our attention, and our attention spans are not always the greatest. (laughs) Firaxis and 2K would like you to start here. Uh, (laughs) And then you can decide whether you want to join them or not. I think the one thing that... And then buy your pass later, maybe, if you like what you saw. You know, that's a valid option. (laughs) And I think we're about to get to specifically what we know about the Maya. But as far as the other things that are coming in DLC 1, again, Grand Columbia, we really don't know uh, much of anything. Uh, Civilization Fanatic Center moderator Byte over on the Too Long Didn't Read... um, too long didn't read moviereviews.com has a features thread where he is compiling information that he has found for each of the DLCs, no doubt to be updated on a, or I shouldn't say no doubt, hopefully to be continued to be updated on a regular basis between now and by the time we get to the end of this DLC journey. And what we know of this apocalypse game mode, and I'm quoting from him, a new game mode that includes many new disasters like comet strikes, forest fires, meteor showers, and solar storms. Disasters can be triggered by a new unit called a soothsayer. We're also going to have new natural wonders in the form of the Bermuda Triangle, Pia P, I'm just going to call it P. Piapitali. Piapitali. And the Fountain of Newt. Fountain of Fountain of Newth. No, the Fountain of Youth. That must be something else. The Fountain of Noobs. <laughs> the Fountain of <laughs> The Fountain of Newth is a computer programming uh, thing because the C language has a very famous book written by Donald Newth. Oh well, there you go. I had no idea. I mean, yes, yes, I did, and I, I tested the panel to see of their knowledge and awareness. Well, well done, Kenneth. You, you get an A. Um, there's <laughs> plausible. Teacher plausible. Teacher Dan is teaching. Uh, There's new resources of corn or maize, and then honey, or it's bees, or it's beeswax. New city-state, Vatican City, and then, of course, forest fires, damage forest tiles and buildings and wonders in the base game, as well as Apocalypse game mode. 
oh, I just want to turn the disaster intensity down to zero evermore now. No, up to four. <laughs> Mackie can be in that game. I'll be in this game. Yeah, I think uh, I'll join Dan's game for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the meteor shower uh, in the base game as well as the apocalypse game mode oh no um, new competition appease the gods is this where we have to appease Sid and Ed I, I have no idea what they mean by gods I guess we'll find out <laughs> don't forget Anton <laughs> and Anton um, and then something the about meteor shower, the meteor shower just puts like an iron resource on the map somewhere yeah so that's actually not a bad thing this is one of the reasons I'm maybe when it turned the disasters up just a tad how many games we had where you're missing iron? Almost all of the uh, disasters in Gathering Storm have that, you know, that uh, give and take of them where they, they do something bad, but they also do something good. Yeah, like the floods make uh, more fertile, uh, you know, <laughs> better so fires. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the fires have some effect like that, too, where maybe, you know, they uh, they make the forests more productive or have more food or something like that. Or maybe they even make cause the forest to grow further. Who knows? They really should. Forests uh, have to burn, otherwise they, you know, right. die. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the natural disasters, over on the Well of Souls page, um, a little bit more on the soothsayer that is unit specific to the apocalypse mode that you can send into foreign territory to trigger natural disasters. So I guess we're having. I'm going to start calling this a little bit of our fantasy game mode, which. I admittedly doesn't appeal to me, but I can see how it would appeal to some people. And, yeah, uh, and that's, that's one of the big hangups that I have with this particular model is I just don't know if I'm going to play any of these game modes because even with the the you know base Civ Six and the expansions, like I never play the uh, the scenarios like anyway. Like I never played the Viking scenario or the. Uh, Oh gosh, what I don't even remember what other scenarios we have in Outback Tycoon. Yeah, yeah, there was the Australia scenario. I think there might have been a scenario associated with the Nubia DLC. I don't remember. Yeah, there's the Red Death mode, which we played that once for turn cast, and everybody's like, "Okay, I'm done." Yeah, that's a multiplayer one, and I never even played multiplayer, so I never played that either. Uh, and then I think there was also uh, some uh, Ancient Wonders scenario in Civ Six, right? Mm-hmm. That was in Civ Five. Oh, was it? Okay. See, I, yeah. I, I, they blur together. I don't even remember which is which. I played, I think, one or two scenarios in my entire time playing Civ Five, and I don't think I've played any of them in Civ Six so far. So, yeah, looking at, like, oh, new game mode, like, am I really going to play that? Especially if it is something as fantastical as being able to sick meteor showers on other players. <laughs> and I do think that the comment about not playing the scenarios or people playing the scenarios and being disappointed, it may have something to do with the fact that new scenarios for Civ 6 will be part of the free updates that knows, oh, you're going to make me pay for a scenario. No, apparently not. That That's that's not going to exist. They're not going to be a scenario. Red Death is a specific type of game mode. This is something that you can include with the base game or not. And of course, speaking of Anton, actually, in a uh, in a tweet, again, linked to from the Well of Souls, these are systems and or content additions to a normal game, and you can turn on as many as you want. So the only game modes we know about in terms of title and a little bit of detail, again, is Apocalypse. And there's also the Secret Societies game mode, which apparently are societies that are secret. That That's my takeaway right now. I know that's really in-depth and insightful, <laughs> and it'll take you a while to absorb that. Man, so don't you're... talk too much. They'll have to kill you. <gasps> Not again. Does, it, does this mean secret packs are back in? 
<laughs> packs of secrecy. Well, we know who to pack of secrecy against, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the pact of pact of secrecy reborn and yep. brought down on us by a soothsayer. I have no idea. I, I'm just. <laughs> Are we getting hate mail yet? Is is there any? No. Okay, we'll have to keep working on it. We should go just get rid of it. We will continue on our quest for hate mail. Actually, we uh, actually just uh, about that. Just as a shout out on uh, CFC to Socrates and Willowbrook for commenting on um, episode 360. Of course, it's like, wow, it's great to listen to you guys talk about what might come up as new information. I'm listening to this after you've had a chance to read about this new information. Um, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) The way it works. And Carl over on YouTube is like, you guys really are jinxed every time they announce an update or expansion. It's just after you release a show. Well, and see, in this case, they renounced, they renounced, well, they didn't renounce. Please don't they do that. Please don't, us. Take, please don't take it away. Uh, they announced this new DLC on a weekend that we are going to record as opposed to announcing the new content on a weekend to release an episode. So it's a little bit of an improvement, actually. A little. <laughs> this is all new information as of this week. Not as of last week. For one. Yes, yes, as we are recording on the 16th of May, 2020. We'll just put make that as a relative reference here. Someone listening to this like five months from now. I was released I, this week. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I joked that we just threw them off because we weren't live last time due to uh, technical difficulties. Which, by the way, uh, was YouTube. YouTube decided to suddenly list it. Apparently it did broadcast, but YouTube decided to make it unlisted instead of public. So for anyone who might be listening, that's what happened last time. Stupid YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think YouTube can handle that criticism there, Jason. I, I think that might be one of the kindest things they've been called today, quite honestly. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as much as we know about the general overview and understandable speculation of what's coming up, uh, including visual speculation, which we will get to, perhaps we could actually give some more specific content, the specific breakdown of what we learned about the Mayan civilization for Civilization VI. You have to qualify that. This is not a, a show to talk about the history of the actual Mayan civilization, although Aww. I guess some of, the, some of that is alluded to in what we're about to talk about. I, I, I know, Mackie. I, I know. Um, so yeah, the Maya. What about the Yes, the Maya, led by Ishwakan Akwa, also known as Lady Sixth Guy. Um, she has a unique unit, which is a spearman that replaces an archer because it's a thrown spear. And I believe it has more damage to damaged units and also has a little bit higher strength than the archer it replaces. It also ha- the Maya also have the observatory district, which replaces the campus and gets adjacency bonuses from farms and plantations, but not anything else. So it's a little bit different. And it's cheaper to build than a campus. Well, yeah, all the unique districts are plus t- plus fifty percent, aren't they? It's good to know that that is being carried over still. So yes. And then the leader bonus is Ichmutal Aja. And I don't actually see what it... Oh, here it is. It gives non-capital cities tiles within six tiles of the capital, plus 10% to all yields. And 
all non-capital tiles receive minus 15% yields with that of being there more than six tiles away from the capital. So the closer to the capital you are, the better. So basically they want us to go back to doing the ring system of building the cities for the Maya. Yes. And then the Mayan special ability is the Miab. Settlement, of course, uh, adjacent to freshwater and coast do not provide extra housing. Instead, each farm provides additional plus one housing, plus one food, plus one amenity for every luxury adjacent to a city center. So, in other words, the Mayan don't really care about where you settle their cities in terms of actual um, geographical stuff. As long as they've got empty tiles near them, they're happy. And since unlike past versions of the game, you actually don't need fresh water to build farms, you can hypothetically just build Mayan cities wherever, as far away from water as you want. You can cram in as many as you can, six tiles away, no more no more than six tiles away from the capital, so they'll all count, and then you'll have a bunch of these super productive cities. And I've seen some people say, oh, this is a return to tall with the Maya now. Oh, I see how it is. I'm like, well, minus 15% to all yields, it, it it's a percentage. It's not an absolute number. So some people are like, oh, man, this is just going to really cripple you early on. Well, I think that's a bit strong. I think it's more about you need to be aware of this. So when you're planning where you're going to settle, keep that in mind. And although I will say it is a much more understandable comment, and we've seen some extremes as well, including the, hey, do you realize this leader animations are the same as the Nubian leaders? <laughs> I want to I want to yell at those people. You know what? If, if that's <laughs> if that's how nitpicky you want to be, then I guess Fraxis is doing a pretty darn good job, if that's what you can yeah, come up with if, at this if point. That, if this is the best complaint you could come up with after watching through this video and stuff, oh no, she has the same... Okay. They should have given her the same animations as uh, Gilgamesh, probably. That would have been the way to go. <laughs> The thing is, she doesn't have the same animations. She has two 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 animations that are the same, and like eight or nine that are not. So it's like, oh, well, the idol animations are the same because they're both more heavy set women with large bosoms and staffs. I mean, yeah, it, it's what do you, easier what do you to want? Use, yeah, instead of rewriting, I want Gilgamesh animations. I just said, it's <laughs> <laughs> what Phil wants: giggly mesh on everybody. <laughs> There's only so many ways the human body can move, and when they don't have people in their in their studios actually with access to super high tech stuff, yeah, they might they might have a problem doing that. But with the recent quarantines and such, as long as they don't try to sell us the rest of her animations later, I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be different, yes. <laughs> Lady Six Guy after dark animations. Wait, what? Uh, no, uh, wow. Okay. Jeez. Um, but I, I, I am going to fanficker for. Yeah. Honestly, um, I am going to say that I, I'm kind of reminded of um, India from uh, Civilization Five, where everyone complained about how you cannot play wide as India in Civ Five, but like the way their ability worked was once you got to I think like population. I think it was like four or six or something like that uh, in each city for India. Like the cheaper happiness that you got from population outweighed the penalty that you got from the new mm. city. And from then on, it was just all bonuses. So I'm wondering if it's going to be kind of the same with uh, with this leader where, you know, like the minus 15 percent isn't really that big of a deal and not that strong of a deterrent to, uh, you know, expanding further. And that, you know, the other bonuses potentially 
can make up for those. And it's bringing back memories of how uh, Majin was pointing out that uh, Gandhi was one of like the top ICS leaders in Civ Five. Oh yeah, he was because, like I said, once you got up to like population four or five or six in all of those yeah, cities, like it was, it was nothing. But it was a fifty percent happiness discount, and since the happiness was global, <laughs> it was an awesome ability for an ICS Civ. As long as you could get up past that population, you were golden. Yeah. I think a lot of it stems from a knee-jerk reaction to, oh my gosh, their ability has a negative. Are you kidding me? It's explicitly stated a negative, as opposed to a negative being a choice you made, as opposed to another choice you didn't make. And when I first read it, I went, wait, what? This is outrageous. But then when you start looking at, oh, it's minus 15%. Oh, look at everything else that they're getting. Oh, the game isn't just, you know, 5, 10 turns. Oh, okay. (laughs) They're going for something here. Right, and you can offset all that stuff with like trade routes and you know stuff like that as well. And if you've got a city that's going to have some really good uh, district adjacency bonuses, that's more than six tiles from your capital. I mean, it's still going to be a very productive city, right? Like, it's not like it's the corruption mechanic from uh, Civ Three or, or Civ Four, where you know a city that you found after like your fifth or sixth city just com- does completely nothing for the remainder of the game. I think that was Civ Three that had the Corruption. corruption and waste, yeah. Civ 4, I think it was just maintenance costs were higher for newer cities. Yeah, and they scaled up, although they eventually capped. Yeah. Is there anything else about the Mayans well, other than can we play already? That's a bit of a simplification, <laughs> but it's well, good enough for now. <laughs> they do not summon disasters, as I thought I read speculation about on uh, the social media and forums. So that is apparently not what they do. It's that soothsayer unit that's probably a scenario yeah. unit does that. Yeah, I, I guess people saw an apocalypse game mode in New Disasters and the Maya. <laughs> and Maya and went, it's all one pack. Yeah, and they thought the Maya would be summoning the meteorites and that would be their special ability. <laughs> that would be a little OP even in single player. You know what? <laughs> Do a, you that know what, multiplayer, holy crap. A good comment to that would be, um, I think it's a little late to release that. I think about eight years to be exact. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They released this pack for Civ 5 or something, you, or even Civ 4 late on, you might understand it, but you know. <laughs> of course, this doesn't preclude you having a Mayan soothsayer, you know, full stop, but it's just not Mayan specific. But yeah, I can see how <laughs> people could come to that conclusion. And it's certainly a more worthwhile criticism than, of course, the requisite Oh my gosh, more female leaders because political correctness? Ugh, okay, oh, uh, but, 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 she does actually have actual historical basis, though. This is not, they pulled something out of their rear, because I don't have the book anymore, but this was something where I was reading about other cultural things back in college, and there was a woman like this, whose name I have completely forgotten, who did rise up to the rank just below High King in the Maya thing, and this is, they've based her on a real historical figure. You know, so and and the, I, that title for that rank below is where part of my username came from. So I'm like, ee, I'm playing me, kind of, sort of. Close enough. Well, all of the leaders in you know in the civilization yeah, games are based they, like, off of historical people. Like the, the even Gilgamesh, I think now there is agreement among archaeologists that he was an historic figure. You know, obviously didn't do all the things that are attributed to him in the uh, Epic of Gilgamesh but was an actual king of Uruk and, you know, real person yeah. on whom the stories were based, although, you know, heavily mythologized. He may have yeah. also been named after that guy. Yeah, they yeah, could have gone the other way around, too, as well. Yeah, he, there could yeah. have been a Gilgamesh who was named after the Gilgamesh from the epic. It, it, yeah, because I don't think we have absolute dates on uh, 
on when the Epic of Gilgamesh was actually written. Yeah, like we've named a lot of things here in the U.S. after Lincoln, after having him as president and stuff. So, you know, he's carved on a monument, okay? I mean, if people come came across were studying America as archaeologists, they would think he was some, they would wonder if he was a mythological figure, maybe, because some of the stories about him are like, that really happened sometimes, you know? Although I've got to say, Mackie, listening to you gush about the Maya reminds me listening to you gush about the Australians. So, all right. So I, well, I, enjoyed, I, I enjoyed the last game's version of the Maya as well. So, you know. So on the Saturday Cooperative Games one weekend, Mackie will be the Maya. The next weekend, wait for it. Also the Maya. And then Australia for two weeks in a row. It's just a, a, lots of mini combinations hey, for I, us to enjoy. At least I alternate between Australia and the Maori now. So, you know, I'll just have third in my rotation, right? Oh, there you go. Uh, and, and oh and a uh, shout out to Alan Silver who is uh, listening live for the first time and uh, speaking of the Maya if you're playing the Maya and make it to 2012 the world blows up I'm assuming that that's in the game that would be an excellent apocalypse mode variation when you are playing the Maya um, that everyone dies and everyone wins or loses depending upon your perspective <laughs> hey everyone wins everyone scores zero. Oh, gee <laughs> we've reached a conclusion we have reached a yeah gesture wins oh speaking of conclusions there are some conclusions being attempted in a certain analysis thread yeah I was going to say speaking of Nick nitpicking here's a screenshot let's find out everything we can find out new in it other than there's a gigantic meteor heading for the city oh no yeah, we get one of these every time They're, they usually give us some interesting insights yeah, this is where we have, I mean, except for what was in the video, this is where we have some of the other information about things. This is why we know about some of these other disasters and why we know about the meteors making iron, because there's a screenshot literally of that. I'm curious what Bermuda Triangle will actually do, because it's out in the middle of the water to a degree where you can't get it in city range in that picture. Yeah. I would assume that ships that go through it would, you know, like take damage or disappear, or maybe they'd get teleported to another part of the map or some crap like that. Okay, sure, but then why would you ever go in it? Unless you're getting like teleported, I guess, but that that seems a little fantasy-esque for a Civ game. Well, it could be something that maybe goes invisible until, like, you actually get to it, so, like, and maybe it moves around a little bit, so you don't know exactly where it is, and if you've got to sail across that ocean to get somewhere, then you gotta sail through it, or risk <sighs> sailing through it. It does yeah. seem like a fantastical element, along with the soothsayer I don't like part. the idea of it moving. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just pulling stuff out of my butt right here, so I, I have no also, idea what. We're... Yeah, yeah, we're also not clear if that's a scenario only thing as well. That could that's be true. True. I mean, it's reasonable to have it as a static thing. It's just what's the interaction with it is my yeah and question. If, if you start auto sailing units across, or you're doing auto exploring, are your ships going to be smart enough to avoid it, or are they just going to sail right through it? Oh, anytime you do anything in auto and Civ, you should assume that. The thing is no. not smart enough to do. Uh, auto anything. <laughs> the is... answer to that is always no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but does it treat it like an obstacle? Is it going to, if you get close to it, pop up a, a, a the like ex if you have them on explore mode, is it going to pop up an alert for? Oh, this is a bad thing. You know. I don't think so. I assume that if it's passable, then they will, you know, charge through it. And is it going to wander around the way the hurricanes do? Yeah, don't know. Mm. I mean, Probably it's not. Yeah, according to the Well of Souls, it is a new natural wonder that is reportedly part of the base game and not one of the modes. Apparently to be released with what we're getting on the 21st of May. 
Oh, uh, all right. If it's a natural wonder, then it probably actually has like advantages to being near it. So, but that's what Phil was saying. This isn't you know beyond Earth. We can't build a city out in the ocean by it. <laughs> maybe or it's is one it? of those. Maybe it's one of those things where it like gives the naval unit a free promotion or something for like traveling. <laughs> gives them a free promotion to teleport beyond to Earth. Let's across. go. <laughs> well, as long, you know, we might get a space theme pack or something. You know, as long as it's not, you know, the equivalent of a black hole. Hey, do you want to reduce the maintenance on your units? Have we got the place to go for you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just reduce your units full stop. If you, the, delete, uh, you got rid of the delete button for units. You have to send them to the Bermuda Triangle if you want them gone now. Oh, it's the CK2 <laughs> succession <laughs> method right there. <laughs> delete the air. Oh, look, new successor. Let's uh, see, there's... Uh, a well, there's a pond, pond or oasis-looking wonder that people are speculating that it's the Fountain of Youth or something, which would be more fantastical elements. But hey, we've had those in the past Civ games as natural wonders type. Of- yeah, I yeah, mean, like applying a bonus like that is well within like Civ precedents, but having like a, basically a wormhole in the water. <laughs> yeah, the wormhole. Is, uh, we, we haven't seen something like that in a baseline Civ game yet. Like, it wouldn't ruin the game or anything, but it would be pretty odd. I don't think we'll see that. I guess we'll like, find out next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, you heard it here first. I, I am predicting that that's not what it will do. <laughs> well, and if it is a natural wonder, how many games are you going to have to start in order for it to <laughs> generate in your game? Yeah. <laughs> how's, that, how's it going? Uh, I'm waiting for the Buna Triangle. What turn are you on? <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm still exploring the map. <laughs> It'd be funny if the, uh, if the Maori start in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, right God. That's just what I need. You know what would be really great is if when you mouse over it, it has in quotation marks, workable Krakatoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because how often that happens. Yeah, we do have a picture of the City of Gold type of place, which... I assume you're going to get a lot more commercial value out of it. Maybe it also would give a bonus for building commercial districts near it. I don't know. It's like on the other one, if that's a fountain of youth, then perhaps maybe, I don't know, a food bonus or a faith bonus. I don't know. You know, decide what that would, you know, if it is the fountain of youth, which of those does it get more? I have to say these uh, forest fires and the aurora look very pretty. Oh, yeah. The solar storm thing. It just makes... Normally, you can see a little Aurora Borealis with the ice cast, but this one is just like, ooh. I think Civ Six had a, a very subtle uh, Aurora effect mm-hmm. at the poles, but it didn't have any gameplay effect. And I, I always thought it would be cool if um, if the Auroras like actually were natural wonders that are on every map at the North and South Pole, and they just kind of like come and go and provide like faith or science on the tiles where they actually appear on the turns that they appear. It give you a cool little reason just to settle a city out there in the uh, in the tundra, just to you know check it out. Well, yeah, because there's the research station that you can build way out there, and so it would make sense for some science bonus off there. Because hey, they could study the aurora. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's what uh, what this will be. If it's uh, just a wonder that always shows up at the poles, or maybe yeah, it is some kind of storm thing that that uh, shows up like a giant laser hurricane. <laughs> laser hurricane. 
And if anyone listening to this is wondering, how is this possibly being parsed? How how specific can people be? Well, first off, a number of these screenshots came officially from 2K in 4K resolution, which of course makes zooming in on screenshots a lot better than in Civilization V or <clears throat> Civilization IV days. Wow, look at the pixelation. There's clearly something here. But when you can get someone like Avian British on page 13 of 18 as of this recording saying, look, no one spotted these unimproved versions of corn possibly in the background of the meteor shower picture. I mean, that is the kind of level of <gasps> to which Uber Frog responded, I cannot believe I am so excited about virtual corn. Well, yeah, there's a lot of little, uh, if you go through the thread, uh, people have picked out specific parts of images where some artwork has been updated and things like that. And it's, it's, it's I, I don't see anything I don't like so far. Depending so what the Bermuda Triangle actually does. Yeah. Somebody pointed out there's honey in here somewhere, so maybe that's another bonus resource. In, in real life, isn't the Bermuda Triangle supposed to be like between three islands or island chains? Or is it just out in the middle of the ocean like it is in this picture? The way Civ scale things on most maps it would be much closer, because it's it's pretty close to the Caribbean islands. It's not like on top of them, but it would be within a Civ City's range, normally. Yeah. But it is, it is near land, supposedly, in real yeah. life. It's not just because like again, this screenshot that's on this forum thread is it is just out in the middle of nowhere. Like the nearest land looks like it's seven tiles away to the northwest. One of the three corners is Miami, so yeah. Yeah, it's like the Miami to the Caribbean, I think, to some island out in the middle of the Atlantic somewhere. It's Miami to Bermuda to Puerto Rico to Miami. So yeah, kind of surprised that it doesn't come with little islands or something, kind of like the Galapagos does. The Turks and Caicos are pretty close. Bahamas, too. Yeah, but... Yeah, but like when we have the Galapagos, it auto-generates the islands that go with it, so it's not auto-generate. I mean, it can't auto-generate Florida necessarily, but... <laughs> Every game is Florida in it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it could still just like be like, oh, yeah. you spawned this this uh, wonder, well, you gotta put an, an island... And, and the scripting like knows where the... Uh, where the uh, wonders are supposed to go. So, like, they're all supposed to go in, like, certain, you know, terrain types. Like, the Galapagos also always shows up within a few tiles from land. It doesn't... I, I don't think I've ever seen it, like, out in the middle of nowhere by itself. I don't even... Is, are the Galapagos even passable in Civ Six? I forget. But I don't think they are. So, like, you can't settle on it. So if it's not near, you know, within two or three tiles from land, like, you wouldn't be... It'd be like Krakatoa in Civ Five. You wouldn't be able to do anything with it. So I would have expected similar scripting with the Bermuda Triangle, where it would show up at least a few tiles from land somewhere, rather than being, you know, seven tiles away and where, you know, no city's ever going to overlap with it. But maybe whatever effects it has, they were like, no, we can't allow a city's radius to overlap with it, so we got to put it way the heck out in the middle of the ocean. Again, without knowing what it does, it's hard to, you know, uh, make any informed statements about that sort of thing. Informed statements? How boring is that, Jason? I mean, really. Yes, we just like we like speculation out of the ass. That's what we like on Polycast. Well, I wasn't specifying where the speculation was coming from, but sure. I mean, if we want to spell it out, then. Oh dear. <laughs> and then I guess speaking of spelling out in terms of new information about the this frontier pass, we also uh, not part of the screenshots that I'm aware of, but I guess we're going to get oh, what did they call them? 
um, different kind of personas. Rough Rider Teddy. Yeah. Rough Rider Teddy and something Catherine. Catherine the Magnificence Catherine. Yes. Yes. We're so cool. France gets three leaders and they're all females. We have alternate leaders of alternate leaders. <laughs> oh, I get it. Alternate, 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 like alternate leaders. Oh, okay, okay. See, we have the fantasy elements already represented, and now we have the sci-fi elements represented, because these are the leaders from the Mirror Universe that we find in Star Trek. <gasps> but, but do they have goatees? Because uh, that's how you know. Well, well, if they're second in command, they do. Yeah, <laughs> but these are leaders, but they're, and they're first in command, so I guess not. <laughs> well done, Dan. Way to know that Star Trek is not South Park. <laughs> you see, kids. <laughs> It was uh, once a great show that turned into a preaching box. But you're not you're not talking about Polycast, are you? I'm just... <laughs> I was talking about Star Trek. Oh, okay. <laughs> How it used to be good, and now it's kind of lost its footing. <sighs> yeah, I, I would agree, but unfortunately, this is not Star Trek cast. Although <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could tempt Dan. Mm, yeah, I'm trying to. No, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take the bait this time. However, masterfully it was done. Uh, Rough Rider Teddy. To, uh, we have to say more provocative things to get him going. <laughs> Rough Rider Teddy is better than Picard. Go, Dan. <laughs> um, he's better at Picard at doing some things that are not as desirable. Sure. Um, Rough Rider, <laughs> there we go. Rough Rider Teddy excels at keeping the peace on his home continent, and Magnificence Catherine can use luxuries to overwhelm the world with culture and tourism. Wasn't Teddy Roosevelt already supposed to do that? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, um, I was like, wait, hold up. That, that's really saying something without saying much of anything, honestly. <laughs> and doesn't France kind of already do the cultural overwhelming? It's like, do you need to make France? Are you trying to make? Non Eleanor France, the equivalent of England France, or England, you, <laughs> England Eleanor. Jeez, wow. I think Never. I think Fraxis and Tuke are just trying to make uh, France that much more a target rich environment for invasion. Quite honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so target Did number one. A larger target on France for us because it already had a pretty good sized target. <laughs> France is like, oh gosh, where is the peace only option from Civ Four? Right, can we get that back? No. France, like, can we become Canada now? Oh, and I did see that from some people in the conversation, which is, oh, you know, it would be nice if, uh, say, Canada had been part of this DLC pack because then I could have not paid for it because it's awful. It's like, wow, throwing shade. Well done. <laughs> some other civs got rolled in there, too, but I saw Canada getting thrown thrown under the bus for that. And I was like, oh, well, everyone's a critic. Well, it's true that Canada's not a very strong civ. So get wrecked. It's true. We're, we're, we're not strong. We're super duper strong. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I too oh, like the thinking. Egyptians. <laughs> all right. Let's guess what age we all are on out at recess uh, as we get into this. I I don't even know if it's an argument. Honestly, <laughs> I don't even think it qualifies that. I think that's giving arguments a bad name. Um. Let's see. Uh, what else from civilization? Six new frontier, which, by the way, new frontier. That's uh, not the final frontier, <laughs> which is good because uh, I don't know. I'm not talking about Star Trek movies. No, nope, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm moving. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> the best Star Trek movie. Go, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> the best Star Trek movie. It somehow 
actually being released and still allowed to be distributed. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that... Um, I, mean, I don't know if it's fair to say, but I think 2K and Firaxis have definitely been taking in all of the, you know, how long can we not say anything and still have people talking about the game. And, well, you have an answer, certainly. Um, and I think it's good that there's new content coming that's not just coming from the modding community, and that's not a slight against the modding community. It's just, hello, what what is going on? Just, just tell us that something is going on. And to come back to the last episode, this is also tying into the damned if you do and damned if you don't argument that I maintain, because although I think this is better, this does not stop people from saying, oh, well, now that I have information, I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with it. <sighs> but I think they're in the vocal minority. I, I, I do think that it's understandably the community is excited for this to know that 2K and Fraxis have not just been shrugging their shoulders and hmm, let's see what other platforms we can get uh, Civ 6 on and then that's that. You know, it's no, they've they've gone back and said, okay, what more can we do? What civilizations can we add that we had in the past? How does that play within Civilization Six? What more can we do to build upon this game? And I'm looking forward to it. It's nice. It's nice to have a map. It's Introducing nice to have a Civilization Six for Raspberry Pi. Well, eventually, when the Raspberry Pi gets strong enough, but you know. Ooh. Now I just want to talk about how. Peach pie is superior. Anyway, that's not this podcast either, apparently. <laughs> not podcast. I prefer apple. Now I want to get into conversations about what kind of apples you use, and this is not cooking cast. Oh my gosh, this is all, the, all these different <laughs> things that this show is not. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a few answers to that, and that's just apple pie, and we eat other pies, and oh dear. Let's see. Let's uh, check in through here. Was there anything else? I mean, for Grand Columbia, there is... Oh, we think we know that the leader is Simon Boulevard, based on some screenshots, it's been said. Um, we have an idea that they have a unique unit, and this is what the unique unit is probably called, but we don't know what it does yet. Yeah, Well of Souls suggested it's a cavalry replacement. Oh, something to look forward to if you survive that long in the game. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> well, you or play you... the Maya. Then you spam out archers like Nubia does and go kick people's butt. Oh, well, I thought Mackie was trying to see the archers, but you know. Oh, I thought Mackie, you were going to say something like, or if you have a later era start, which of course Dan refuses to that do. That too, yes. Well, there is also that. That's, that's like technically, those are the best starts. As established in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... And there's even more minutia of detail. Like, for example, do you want to know the name of the volcano that the Mayans tend to start near and the name of their river? Yes, that has been gleaned from screenshot analysis and documented on fan sites like Civilization Fanatic Center. So Yeah, and we're losing Palenque as a city-state because that's now one of the Mayan cities. But that's why we got the Vatican. So they took out a scientific city and replaced it with a religious. Hold up. Oh... I mean, just in, uh, yeah, I know you can make political commentary out of that, but just in terms of balance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have no idea what the, what the Vatican, what its ability is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, really? <laughs> <laughs> the Vatican's a trade city state, that's it. Oh. No, I was going to say militaristic. Wait, what? Um, that's, yeah, militaristic is definitely the most likely. <laughs> there wouldn't be any, uh, any APR issues over that. No, no, it's over. Oh. 
But of course, now my mind. But no, we're not talking about crusades. No, this is not. No, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> no. Actually, what I meant was we don't know what the ability of the Vatican City will be if you become their suzerain, as opposed to what mm. type they are. Um, something to, I gotta say something to do with your religious units. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just gonna go out on a limb. Free missionaries or something, or I. You get a free great profit if you're the first to discover it. Nice. Oh, oh no. Okay, see, that's a little low key. <laughs> or maybe they just charge all the players who meet them tithes. Wait a minute. That's not how this works. City states give things to me, not the other way around. <sighs> uh, and looking- then their city turns more and more gold as the game goes on. Yeah, that part I would believe. The later you get. Or if you convert them to your religion, they give you tons of gold per turn or something. Mm. Looking at the chat from youtube.com slash user slash the polycast slash live, while this is live, um, uh, slash TG, I'm back, but I came late, so I'll listen from the start. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, Alan, we did talk about the observatory. Um, Firaxis is starting to get some competition now with Old World and Humankind. They need to keep putting yeah. out more. And actually, interesting you bring that up because what it was, was part- also uh, John Schaefer's game the, uh, at the gates. At, yeah. at the gates. Um, it's interesting you bring that up, Alan, because on episode 360, which initially got bumped to 361, which is now probably going to be bumped again here, we actually uh, we're going to talk about uh, Old World from uh, Soren Johnson, and we have talked about Humankind. I think it was before my tenure here as a as a recurring guest that Humankind was talked about. Uh, but certainly there is competition for our attention, for Civ's attention, uh, and that includes things that are <gasps> oh, everyone sitting down, not computer gaming related. <gasps> yes, I know. Is we- Old World actually uh, released yet? Or is it like still it's in early access? access early it's in early access. access, but I think uh, the general public can purchase it in early access now. If I'm yes, not yeah, you but can. It's an Apple game right? store, so nobody cares about it. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, a yeah, I wasn't sure. If, I wasn't sure if Epic did the early access stuff or not. Yeah, but for everybody that, and from when I've seen streams of it being played, everybody has said it's basically like this is early access this isn't like the actual game what you know because it's it's such a good quality level already you know so yeah, when it actually I, comes out full thing i had put off uh getting uh outer uh, outer wilds and outer worlds because of the epic exclusivity but uh if old world is epic exclusive that might be the thing that finally gets me to install the epic store Ugh. you don't have to because tim sweeney already said that he bought the games for everybody so you can just pirate it and feel no guilt. <laughs> oh, okay. I scan us. I approve. <laughs> Good to have you back. <laughs> well, I think 2K I take no responsibility for suing. <laughs> uh, I mean, 2K and Fraxis are no doubt paying attention to games like Old World and Humankind and At the Gates and just other titles in general that are keeping people's attention. And I think they're taking that into account. I don't think we have to worry about, because actually hearing early access and the understandable negative connotation that can come with it, kind of like, oh, you know, consumer beware what you're probably getting yourself into. I've seen some of that too. Oh, this this uh, DLC season pass, this is just so that they can uh, release stuff that's not finished yet and, and make money and it's early access and then we we solve it for them as we play the game. And it's... Oh, man. I mean, you know, I guess if that's what bothers you in life, you're doing pretty good. Um, you know, there, there, I can generate hate mail for the show now. It's literally, 
a wretched hive of first world problems. It's true. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> a little more tangential, but the best kind of problems crusader. to have. We also have a third Crusader Kings coming out soon, too, don't we? Yeah. So, and with yeah. how these games are starting to lean in some influence from CK2 into them, that's more relevant than ever. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't want to call it a uh, grand strategy renaissance, but I mean, I don't, I don't remember a time in my lifetime when you, there was like this many grand strategy games on the market. I mean, even going back to like late '90s, early 2000s, we had like you know like one or two space games and Civ and like maybe one or two other games. That was about it. It's helpful when you can. A little bit of a golden age. Yeah, it's it's. it's... It's helpful when you can have decent games being available to many people coming from smaller studios as compared to just, you know, the big guys like 2K. Yeah, and that's actually always been the case on Steam because you go back and there were things like, uh, what, like Galactic Civilizations and uh, a few other like big space 4X games that, that were available on Steam from indie developers, which uh, I never got around to playing. There was Endless Space, uh, a few others, Master of Orion Reboot. But yeah, we're finally getting some more of the uh, the space ones were always popular. Those never went away. But the like historical themed ones, like other than Civ, like there was like nothing until like a year ago. Now all of a sudden there's like five of them. Oh, uh, Dawn of Man as well. That's another indie one. Well, I think that leans a little more towards a city building type. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. It's more of a real time city builder. But it, it was still, you know, worth checking out. Speaking of shoutouts from games, a couple of more shoutouts uh, in response to some listeners. Uh, in response to episode 360 on YouTube, someone who goes by the uh, user name Music says, Keep entertaining your fans. And from LGH themselves with almost 47,000 subscribers. Wow, kudos to you. Big up. More content, please. Well, since you said please, I guess we'll continue making episodes. I, you, know, I, I, you know, since you threw that in there, I guess. We do the best we can. What we can with what we've got, which sometimes it gets a little bit thin on the ground, but then we manage to find things, so. Looks like we'll have plenty of content for new episodes for the uh, upcoming year, at least. And not just Civ stuff, but like we were just talking about, uh, a lot of other games that we might also talk about as well. And I think some people listening to this are wondering, okay, you guys have talked about the roadmap, you've talked about what some people are saying in terms of whether they're going to go for this new Frontier Pass or whether they're not, but you haven't said what your intentions are a panelist whether you intend to get into this or not although i feel like i have which is the answer is yes and part of it some might say oh well dan you're just gonna get it anyway because it has civ in the title and it's not so much that i'm getting it because it has civ in the title it's because it has civ in the title that i'm paying attention to it and i i like what i'm seeing i'm i'm willing to also entertain this notion of a DLC collection over the over the year and uh, not be kind of like old man quick and say back in my day we had expansion packs and we liked it, dang it. Um, this is the equivalent of that. And the fact that I can see laid out that they have a plan in place, it might not necessarily be the plan that I would have devised, but that's okay. I, I'm willing to give it a chance because of where Civilization VI is at right now. And yes, the reputation of 2K and Firaxis for addressing fan concerns, not necessarily always the best choices, but we do eventually get answers to these things. And, you know, we're just going to take it one DLC piece at a time. 
Yeah, if Civ 7 has nothing but season passes like this and doesn't have any actual expansion packs, that would be the point where I would drop off of the, the series, potentially. But like I, this I can live with because we already have two fully featured expansions. You could ask questions about whether or not all of this content could have been bundled into one expansion and whether or not that expansion would have been $20 or $30 or $40. Uh, again, I don't... We, I don't think we've seen pricing points for this stuff yet, so I don't know how much the full pass costs. Is it going to be $20? Is it going to be $30? Is it going to be $40? If it's $40 yeah. or more, I think that might be a little bit expensive for what's being offered here, considering that Gathering Storm sold for $40, and that was a full expansion pack that had, you know, eight le- eight sieves, uh, alternate leader, and, like, entirely new game mechanics. So, you know, that I actually play. <laughs> Not the, not just scenarios and alternate game modes that I might never play. So, um, there, I do see some red flags here, especially with like the alternate versions of existing leaders where it's kind of trending towards a uh, microtransaction territory. And that worries yeah, me. Yeah, that's a big, yeah, that's uh, a big. Because that opens up the door to like 99 cent, dollar 99, uh, you know, dollar 99 cents, uh, alternate skins and stuff like that uh, entering into the game in the future. And that's uh, that's a slippery slope that I really don't want to see this series go down. Uh, I've always, for years and years and years now, held up Civilization as a uh, as a game series that does its expansions and DLC like well. You know, maybe not perfect, but uh, but very well. And uh, I would hate to see that finally change because uh, 2K released a survey asking for forgiveness instead of permission <laughs> years ago. My uh, uh, anyway. Hmm. I can hear that reservation, given that they have announced that these Persona packs come with, yes, a new leader model and background. I'm like, oh, no. But the new gameplay bonuses and an updated agenda that reflect the changes to the leader's personality, I'm hoping that that will not mean just, hey, here's you know microtransaction DLC reskinning that really doesn't get you much of anything. But at the same token, these are available as... 2K has announced exclusively to owners of the new Frontier Pass and will be delivered with the second add-on pack. So it's kind of going into that territory, and I recognize that hesitation, and I'm hoping that this is not how new leaders will come about, because it does describe it as a quote-unquote exclusive bonus. But they want to test the waters with it? Okay. And and more in general... It's impossible to know for sure until we see what they did 7. Like I said, if, if Civ 7 comes out, even if they sell some DLC leaders and Civs, like right after the game comes out, they did the same thing with Civ 6, Civ 5. You know, if, if a year after Civ 7 comes out, if they're not doing expansions and they're still just selling, you know, leader packs and alternate skins and stuff like that, and like, you know, as, as long as they don't go into the route of like in, uh, in-game purchases and starting having friggin' loot boxes that drop, you know, new wigs for George Washington and crap like that, <laughs> Uh, if it goes in that direction, then yeah, I mean, I, I will be, will be out. Uh, but I mean, this is, it's, it's, this is acceptable, right? Like I said, it, it's got some worrying trends, but, well, you know, it's too early to really judge it for, for sure, in my opinion. I think you really could regard this as Civilization VI, the uh, new Frontier expansion pack being released, quote unquote, March 2021. Cause that's when yeah, all of this I is mean, to be out. Yeah, we look at it. And it comes down to pricing, right? Because if, if they want to sell it for 30 or $40, which was the prices for Rise and Fall and Gathering Storm, I'm not sure if the value is there. Uh, but, like I said, it's, you know, it's not the, it, it, this is not 
totally egregious. I've seen much worse from many other games. So, uh, and also this could keep us distracted for the next year until they're ready to talk about Civ Seven. So also acceptable. Nope, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Civilization <laughs> Seven news coming in March 2021. Thanks, Mackie. Hey, personally, that's really I, I, would, I would hope for uh, actually a, a new version of Colonization or maybe even a sequel to Beyond Earth before uh, Civ Seven comes out. I hope we get at least a few years before they, you know, shove a... Yeah, since we still have new stuff coming into it, even if they put this in and then we have a couple of years before they do something, you know, it's it's adding to the longevity of the game. Yeah, I, I think given this release schedule, I, I think it's probably safe to say that we are still at least two years away from seeing a Civilization Seven, assuming that they don't go the route of doing, you know, Civ Six colonization or Beyond Earth 2 or buying the rights to Alpha Centauri. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Get them back. Or maybe uh, even doing a, a other game. Maybe Fraxis t- tries their hand at a, a space 4X that's actually in space, not on just a planet that's different colors than Earth. They did. It was called Starships. Yes, in Meyer Starships. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, not a, <laughs> a mobile <laughs> on the uh, pricing for New Frontier in the chat, uh, Alan Silver says $40 is what I heard. I forget where I saw that. And $42 is you buying the packs individually, but you miss some content. $40 was what I heard. And if that is the price point, I personally think it's a little steep, again, considering that that's what they charge for Gathering Storm. And Gathering Storm had the same number of civs, same number of leaders, and was an actual expansion pack. Uh Again, I don't know if I'm going to play any of these alternate game modes. I will probably load a couple of them up just to try them out, but I, I've never played the scenarios much before. I don't expect that's that's going to change much. I am old and set in my ways. <laughs> I mean, Apocalypse game mode, I'm like, from what I read, I'm like, mm, no, no, I don't think so. Secret Society's game mode? Uh, who knows? Um, plus, they're going to be releasing new game mode four times. So, no, I'm, I'm teasing, of course. It's, we're, we're all going to have to do a thing where we're going to look at what does and doesn't come with it if we buy the pass or if we buy it in bits. And whether that things we're going to miss by not buying the pass is worth the extra money for the pass. Yeah, because I can see some people saying, oh, these Persona packs available exclusively in the New Frontier Pass, which means paying upfront. Um, yeah, no, thank you. Like that, that to me does not make me want to buy the pass because that's that particular exclusive bonus. I'm like, eh. I could take it or leave it in that case. Put this in perspective, like, I don't even like pre-orders in ge- in general anymore. Like, the moment games started moving towards digital uh, downloads and digital delivery as opposed to a physical disc that you had to go to a store to pick up, uh, I thought, like, pre-ordering became obsolete. Like, there's no need to pre-order if there isn't actually a risk of limited supply. So... Uh, for years now, I've been just opposed to the idea of pre-ordering in general. So the season passes and stuff like that is basically just pre-ordering DLC. So on the same grounds, I'm not a big fan of, of that you know kind of model either. I know I would cringe if it was a season pass and it was, hey, so all of this content is going to reside on 2K server. And we're going to give you access. Oh, no, 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 no. That would definitely get me to go somewhere else. That, that I will say up front. <laughs> but I, we're not there, and we're not there yet. And I think they tried that with that Civilization Online thing. And, well, I believe that's now in the dustbin. Nightmare flashbacks to trying Sin City 2013 on EA Origin. <laughs> 
Oh, right. You oh. see, kids, uh, games used to come in these physical <laughs> copies in, called boxes. And what you would do... Yeah, Dan, Dan, <laughs> there's plenty of retro channels the kids are aware. <laughs> Some of the kids are young enough still to have seen boxes. Okay, come on. I'm sure they saw them in a museum. I get it. I get yeah, it. They used to put games in those. <laughs> yeah. LPs and cassette tapes, like, making a hipster comeback these days. Because of Stranger Things, I think, is the big influence on 80s stuff coming back. Even before Stranger Things. Yeah, there's a little bit, but that's like people have who to bring might something have... back. It would not be the 80s that I would choose, but that's <laughs> just me. You choose to bring sexy back? What? No, Justin. <laughs> Over the 80s, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Although you're making me reconsider, but. Uh... <laughs> Ooh, I'd bring the 90s back before the 80s, but. I would 80s, too. Uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to the 80s if they were. I don't know, offered up against maybe some other decades. Yeah, because the 90s is the beginning of the internet when it was still like the wild, wild west and everything wasn't so... Hmm. Yeah, the beginning of the consumer internet, yeah. And also yeah. when... also when, so That's also the decade the first civilization was released, so clearly it was a good decade. <laughs> Dan's biased. Also, for people listening, what was this Alpha Centauri mention that Jason was talking about 2K trying to buy? Well... Let's speak at 1999, Alpha Centauri and the Alien Crossfire expansion pack, Civ in Space, very highly regarded. Electronic Arts still has, still owns the franchise. They're not doing anything with it. I don't know. Kind of at this point, it's no, we don't, don't want to do anything with it. You can't do anything no. with it either. So, bleh. yeah. Like, in tw- 20 years, they haven't even bought somebody else's 4X game and just branded it Alpha Centauri or something. They've done nothing. It's like they also have like the rights for the Ultima series stuff, and all they do is sit on the at this point, ancient online game version, and nobody could ever make a new Ultima, so the original <laughs> Ultima guy had to just go and do his own thing, because he can't get the rights to like, his own stuff back. You'd think that after the popularity of, like, Skyrim, they'd have been like, hey, do we have anything that's like Skyrim? Hey, what's this Ultima thing? Let's make a game yeah, on that. I mean, prop, proper modern 3D Ultima, I should say, because there was the Underworld games, but yeah, why did you not do this? Yeah. Idiot. Ugh, EA. Ugh. You EA idiots. <laughs> Nobody in here is going to stop being mad about EA anytime soon, I think. <laughs> no. Although it's another EC Kids moment, because at one point they weren't a bad company. I know. <laughs> we're going back to the 90s. Believe it or not, there was a time where like Madden games were contenders for Game of the Year. Like, not Sports Game of the Year, but Game of the Year. Once upon a time. What, Madden, uh, like, 99, Madden 2000? Those were when they introduced the franchise mode. That was, like, mind-blowing. People were literally talking about those games as being Game of the Year material. Ah, uh, memories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm just uh, waiting the, for... Well, those I'm, tinted memories. I, I'm just waiting for... Corporate. I'm just waiting for people to talk about Polycast as podcast of the year. That's what I'm waiting for. Well, we've talked about it before, and that might have to be good enough. <laughs> I mean, other people talking about Polycast being the podcast of the year. Fair enough. Let's qualify that. Uh, if you put enough money in someone's pocket, I'm sure you can make it happen, but it's probably not worth. Oh, Dan, on the on the forums, for people to vote for their podcast of the year out of the option of Polycast Season 13, Polycast Season 14, etc. <laughs> Dan would love to rig a poll and find out what your favorite season of Polycast is. And don't say one, because without one, none of the other seasons could happen. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I guess in that thinking, uh, we have Civilization Six to thank for the New Frontier Pass. We have Civilization Six to thank. For, actually, shoot, we have Civilization One to thank or not to thank for the New Frontier Pass by that line of thinking. Well done, Sid. We have the original Civ to thank for everything that's going on right now. Whoa, that's. I mean, okay, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> I, I can everything see. Everything could thank in this podcast and relating, you know, that kind oh. of thing, not. Oh, okay. Not the other shenanigans going oh, on. That's can, not Sid's fault at all. Okay, I can see Sid slowly making his way to the door, not wanting to make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> He's like in a lab, just cackling. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see who calls you this time. <sighs> Speaking of this time. Yeah, yeah. Active secrecy. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> All right, everyone, get out. No magic. Okay, magic. <laughs> I just don't remember what episode number this is. So I'll just go with episode four hundred and seventy. <laughs> I thought you were going to Ah, I will be in one hundred and nine <laughs> more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you for joining us on podcast episode three sixty one. I'm the B and Team, and I was joined by Canis Albinus. Hopefully I'll be back again soon. Makalua? We hope so, too. Mega Bears fan? I'm awake now. <laughs> special guest co-host, Dan Q. 470 minus 361 is... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can, math. I mean, I did it already. I was just checking to see if anybody was paying attention. It was a pop quiz. At the end of class, no less. It's the best time. You're an end of class. Only noobs dislike pop quizzes anyway. It's all fine. Civilization 4, 5, 6, and Beyond Earthclips. Copyright Take-Two Interactive. Copyright the Polycast at thepolycast.net.